Hello again, everyone, and welcome to We Can Do Pod Things. I am Emily. And I'm Annalise. And this is a podcast where we like to discuss episodes of Glennon Doyle, Amanda Doyle, mm-hmm. and Abby Wambach's podcast called We Can Do Hard Things, which was apparently very difficult for me to spit out today. <laughs> it was a hard thing, but you it did was, it. I did it. Yay! <laughs> Um, come for the interesting content, stay for the friendship. That is how we are marketing ourselves. Yes. All right. And so then this week's quote of the week is from Rupi Kaur. It is currently the lock screen on my phone. It is a poem that says, I do not want to have you to fill the empty parts of me. I want to be full on my own. I want to be so complete I could light a whole city and then I want to have you because the two of us combined could set it on fire. Yes, Rupee. Yes. We co-sign. I think that is the definition of love Mm -hmm. for me is what what would my – what would a a relationship look like for me? Not necessarily the Jerry Maguire, you complete me Mm -hmm. because I am whole and complete in and of myself, but – by the power of our forces combined, <laughs> <laughs> we could set the world on fire. Yeah. And it it's not just about you yourself being fully lit up. Right. But it's also about finding another person. Who is also, who is also fully, fully lit, up lit up on their own. Right. Yes. That part too. That's such an essential part. Thank mm-hmm. you for pointing that out. Yeah. Um. Side note. I I you know, of course, I've seen Eat, Pray, Love mm-hmm. multiple times. Love it. Never read the book until now. <clears throat> and I started reading it. Wow. Goodness gracious. Do you need a little sippy of your drink? I do need a little sippy of my tea. It's just kind of crazy how that book is just... We all really are living the same fucking plot. It's so true. In our own simulations. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I think I texted you and I said, am I just living the dollar general version of Liz Gilbert's life? Because all of the things that she's talking about and dealing with and experiences are like shit that I've been learning over the last two years. To say that she struck a chord with a few people <laughs> would be a bit of an understatement. Understatement of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'm loving that. And I anticipate the Liz Gilbert episode of We Can Do Hard Things, very quickly making its way onto our podcast. It is so emotion. It is love the it. most emotional of all of the episodes I cool. think that I I've listened crying. to. So I'm super <laughs> in emotions. I'm super into it. Let's mm-hmm. do it. But it's like restorative crying. Oh, it's like, yes. it's beautiful. Crying. It's like, I had a TikTok once and I had, I was going through a breakup and my friend Anna was going through a breakup and we got on FaceTime and we just cried and sobbed together. Mm-hmm. And that was the most connected I had felt to someone. And I felt whole yeah. after that. And so I think it it's that kind of therapeutic restorative mm-hmm. crying. I love that phrase. All right. So as for this week's episode, this episode is from October. October 13th, 13th, I think it was. I will trust you on that. Trisha Hersey and the Nap Ministry. Yeah. No more grind. I, in preparation for this episode, which I have been looking forward to for quite a while, this is my <laughs> very favorite episode of We Can Do Hard Things. Um, in preparation. High, tall order. I know. I know. I don't say that lightly. Mm-hmm. I spent the day today doing not a goddamn thing. And here is something that I observed because I'm home with my kids right Uh now. It is very distressing to them Mm -hmm. when I am not doing. Do you have that? A thousand Mm -hmm. times. Yes. I could be sitting in here dicking around on my phone and my kid doesn't need me. Uh The second that I'm doing something that I want to do or uh-huh. like I want to take a nap or whatever, it's an emergency. Yeah. Like, why? I thought about that a little bit. And 
The first thing that I turned to was images and media. Mm. I cannot readily think of very many images of people resting, period. Yeah. And if there are, it is almost always a weakness or a vulnerability that yes. they suffer for. That's when the murderer breaks into your house and kills everybody. <laughs> While or you're sleeping. that's when your husband packs up and leaves you when I, you're sleeping. I'm going to offer the Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. classic rom-com while you were sleeping. It could also be that somebody falls in love with your brother. You're right. Your the- brother. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So maybe not ideal either. Right. Still a problem. Okay. And then I thought, you know, even earlier images, if you look at Disney movies, sleep is a literal curse. Yes. Hello, Sleeping Beauty. Mm -hmm. Or Snow White. I mean, it shows up more than once. my God. So no Hmm. wonder that our kids, they probably can't name it. But it is uncomfortable to them to see their adult resting. And that is something that I think is Shit. worth being mindful of and actively trying to reverse some of that me- messaging, yes. you know? And that leads me to one of the things that struck me the most about Trissa's experience is how her grandmother modeled that. Mm-hmm. And they started to respect it for their grandma and then ultimately for Trisha. That has led to the liberation and healing of her own self mm-hmm. because an adult modeled that for her. Yeah, you can't help but think of the legacy in her family. Yeah. Her grandma modeled that. Her father was a union organizer. Mm-hmm. She made the connection to capitalism and white supremacy that I had never given enough thought to about how white supremacy was the originator of thinking of the human body as a machine. Yeah. So much so that I I was like uncomfortable Mm -hmm. right out the gate. And I was like, this is going to be one of those kind of episodes where this is a, this is a work episode. Yeah. And it, how, dichotomous is that, that it is about work that you do by resting. Yeah. Rest as resistance. Ugh. And the and how that rest forces you to then look at yourself and do the work, mm-hmm. choose to do the work. Mm-hmm. She talks about um, can't make a, a connections because we're exhausted. And you're going to have to make choices. Yeah. She said, you're going to have to make choices if you're going to embrace this lifestyle mm-hmm. or you're going to embrace this ministry or you're going to, to participate in this liberation. And later on in the episode, she talks about it, how sometimes it's kind of isolating mm-hmm. and it's hard to find people who are in the same place in life that she's in. I was really grateful because an immediate reaction to that might be there's some privilege associated with being able to rest. Mm. But I was really grateful that she was deliberate in saying, you know, this is this doesn't have to look like yes. just cuddling under your blanket for two weeks right. and skipping out on your job and your life. Yeah, your $30 face mask and and all that. It it being about what does rest look mm-hmm. like for you? And it's a reimagining what rest looks like. Yeah. For her grandma, mm-hmm. she rested for whatever it was, 15 minutes in between the two jobs that she like had. 30 minutes. And yeah. She closed her eyes, but she was always awake. Mm-hmm. For Prayer. her dad, he got up just that much earlier mm-hmm. in the morning because he said, I don't I don't want to be on anyone's clock. Mm-hmm. He, I want he, part of my day to belong to me. I think he was studying the Bible mm-hmm. and reading the newspaper. I know someone who makes a list every morning of what they're going to do that day. Mm-hmm. And that is part of their routine is, is getting up looking at the list from yesterday. What did I cross off? What did I not? What needs to go to the top? What Mm -hmm. am I adding to the list? 
and that being their time to really focus and belong to themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, a practice that I want to start, I think I just shared something about this on my social. I saw that maybe it's the dopamine is more associated to the anticipation of something than it is to the experiencing of something. Okay. And you can create a practice of increasing your dopamine if every day, first thing in the morning, you make a list of three things that you are looking forward to. Oh. And they don't have to be big things, but something like recording my podcast with you today oh. or getting my favorite coffee mm-hmm. or whatever it is, but you just make a list of three things that you are looking forward to in your day in the day ahead of you. Okay. Mhm. I think I could get on board with that. Yeah. Even one thing. Yeah, I mean just in starting small. Yeah. That is a way to build self-trust also. Nicola Perra talks about that in how to do the work that starting with one small act of kindness to yourself per day mm-hmm. and then building on that and how that helps you establish routines and there's a guy that had a book about how to uh, create routines and stuff. And now I can't remember the name of the book, but talking about the best way to do that and how to, to make behaviors stick. And it's that same concept as I know there's a um, famous, well, relatively famous military member who talks about how to change your life is start by making your bed. Mm-hmm. And doing those little small things, seemingly small things, to show yourself that you can trust yourself and that you can do something to improve Mm -hmm. your environment and how massively impactful that is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm into this. I'm into this idea of wake up before I put on my makeup. (laughs) I say a little prayer for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I take a little moment for me about what am I looking forward to today? Gosh, that especially as we start really getting into seasonal depression season. Because for most of us, the first thing you think of is all of the things that you're not looking forward yeah. to. God, I Starting to. with getting out of this bed. Yes, precisely. And so to shift that into just picking out one thing. And I fact-checked myself. It does. It is dopamine. It says dopamine in the brain is actually released in anticipation of reward. Interesting. Generally, people think the more reward, the more dopamine. And it's the pleasure molecule, but that's not strictly true. That makes sense. This is according to the brain doctor on Insta. Dr. Faye Baghetti. Excellent. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Because um, there's a different neurotransmitter that is the the one that gets hit on when you go to the gym. I mean, dopamine is often called the reward tran- neurotransmitter, but mm-hmm. there's a different one that actually, when you actually complete a task that is released. And it makes sense when you think about like putting a puzzle together. Mm-hmm. That moment... As the piece fits is when you feel the most euphoria. Yeah. Not necessarily looking at the completed Mm -hmm. piece. And that's why it would take me so freaking long to do things like sewing projects or shoveling the sidewalk because I have to stop and look at what I've already done Mm -hmm. and then keep going rather than just keep going through it. Like I've got to stop and remind myself this is what you're working for and look at how good I don't know, man. The same way that the anticipation of something bad Mm. is often worse than the event itself. Right, which we've talked about before. The anticipation of something good Mm. can feel more rewarding than the event itself. Hello, Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely not thinking about conversations with ex-lovers who that were – sexually based that was like it wasn't so much the act itself Mm -hmm. it was the anticipation Mm -hmm. of the act or the planning of the act that was the biggest source of pleasure i wonder Mm. in what way that is gendered 
I wonder if it is different if anyone has studied differences in men and women Mm. and how women maybe derive more pleasure from the anticipation of something. I'm... This isn't based on any no, science. I'm, this is I'm, just wondering I, aloud. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. I am I am processing that and thinking of that. And I'm wondering if it has to do with one of the concepts we've talked about before about men being socialized to be more disembodied. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking at it through the lens of my own perspective. And there's also something there about, you know, the anticipation is a little more abstract. Yeah. The experience is concrete. Yes. And the... And the experience or the anticipation is like, you know, it's still a possibility. Mm -hmm. Once you're in the act, there's a finality to it Mm -hmm. and a grieving process. Yeah, there is. Hmm. God. We got all that from the first five minutes (laughs) in history. (laughs) The Nap Bishop. If there was ever a (sighs) title – that I can appeals to you mm-hmm. on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can I make a confession? Yeah. I take a nap every day. Sometimes I take two. Why does that feel like something that you need to confess? Right. Why does that feel like something we need to be apologetic for? Mm-hmm. Or ashamed of? Mm-hmm. It's not like I sleep for like six hours during the day. And even if I did, my body must have needed it. Yeah. But I, especially since COVID, and when I was going, when I had COVID, I was super fucking tired for a couple weeks. But initially, the first three days that I had COVID, all I did was slept, mm-hmm. sleep. I slept, whatever. And I was also in the play at the time, and that was as we were getting closer to production. And so I was out late, and mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of emotional work during the day, and then at rehearsal, and a lot of physical work at rehearsal. And I thought that that was why I needed, I needed a nap every day. Right. And then I finished with the show and I was like, nah, I just kind of need a nap. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like an hour, maybe an hour total. But I rarely go a day without taking at least yeah. one nap. And sometimes maybe it's even more about the act of doing something for yourself than it is about the actual nap. Yes. There is a quote that she said somewhere that was, I think it was related to this idea of um, the idea of productivity is a flawed curriculum. Mm -hmm. And it's not productive if you take time to rest for yourself. You should be using that time to commodify some other way. Well, yeah. And the idea of rest so that you can recharge and then get back to work. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because we're doing the work for them. Mm-hmm. And that literally tying right into white, white feminism. feminism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved it. One of the first notes that I wrote down was how she called herself a womanist. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. I love everything about this woman. Me too. I I just She hosts these events where people just come lay down. Amazing. And they'll weep when they wake yes. up from these. The therapeutic power mm-hmm. of sleep. And I yeah. also wonder if some of that is cuz like I said I take a nap every day and I I don't I don't think I've ever cried when I wake up. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if there's something about the collective energy mm-hmm. of doing that in a room full of people who are also in all just how much energy must be harnessed in that moment where yeah. she's when she talks about you're unlocking a portal and your your dreams are a way for you to be imagining new things mm-hmm. or having new ideas or working things out and that, that must just be a massive mm-hmm. amount of energy and doing that in the presence of other people. Yeah. And you know what? I think that is why I do love a good nap, but like I'm also real into tandem napping. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite ways to be affectionate or intimate without it being sexual with someone is just napping together. Because it turns the idea 
that the media has presented to mm. us that vulnerability is a weakness. Yes. That's when bad things happen. Right. It turns that idea on its head and shared vulnerability with someone. Hello, Brene that, Brown. That's it. That's <laughs> yes. where it's at. That is genuine authenticity. That is the thing. Yes. I want to, I want to, I want to do a nap conference. <laughs> I know. I want to host one. I know. I mean, I really want to see this. Holiday Inn, we're coming for you. We are. Conference Center. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Give us your biggest room. I'm, I'm, I'm not really joking about this. Who would say no to that? No. Did you see that thing that I shared where it was like, why do people say snooze fest like it's a bad thing? (laughs) I would literally pay anything to go to a snooze fest. I paid a hell of a lot of money to go to when we were young emo fest. I would pay twice that for snooze fest uh-huh that's what i'm saying i said something a while back about like hey does anyone want to do a we'll rent a conference room and we'll just do this group trauma dumping session where we all just sit around and cry together and drink wine and and i legitimately had like 30 people Fair. i said it as a joke and i had at least 30 people comment saying i would go i'm in i would go I would go to the point where I was like, fuck, I think I have to do this now. There was a woman on social media who posted just being sarcastic. Who wants to meet up at this time at this place and just scream into the void? And people came. Showed the Mm -hmm. fuck up. We should do that. Yeah. How about this? If there's anyone out there listening that would participate in some sort of organized moment like that, Mm -hmm. maybe just... Drop us a line on our Instagram or on our at our email, podthingspodcast at gmail.com. Or we can do pod things with the underscores on Instagram. And she weaves in the spirituality mm. and that in your dreams, that's when you are open to these ideas, to these experiences. She talks about Harriet Tubman waking up from a nap and saying, my people are free. Mm. I think one of my all-time favorite things about this episode is how she refers to it as the divine. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really reference God or Buddha Mm -hmm. or Muhammad or any of the other versions of God. And this very much falls in line with my eat, pray, love experience Mm -hmm. right now, where that's what she, Liz Gilbert has, is discovering is that we are all God Mm -hmm. and God is in all of us. And that very much vibes with how I feel about my own spirituality and about spirituality in general. And she calls it the divine. And she was, she was, she, this all started because she was an archivist in seminary, mm-hmm. like actual church school. Yeah. Church college. Yeah. She knows what she's talking she about. She knows folks. the fuck what she's mm-hmm. talking about. And I, I, she was raised in the, in, in the church. She mm-hmm. talked about raised in the black church. And I wouldn't be surprised if she is, does continue to have that identity around Christianity, but she doesn't, that's not the way. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't frame it as, or present it as, we're just knocking stuff over because, you know, we're professional. (laughs) She doesn't frame it as that is the only lens through which you will benefit from this practice. Yeah, she's very good about... She doesn't give anybody a set of rules around how this has to look mm. or how this has to feel. It's not limiting. She's mm-hmm. not limiting any one person's experience for the most part. And for some people, you know, this goes back to us talking about how at first people may come away with the impression that this has to be associated to some kind of privilege. Mm-hmm. But she talks about even just the knowing mm. that I don't belong to this system. That in and of itself is a resistance. 
you can participate in the system, but not be owned by the system. Yeah, I mean, she references that that Bible verse of a few times, being in the world, but not, not mm-hmm. of the world. An enslaved people knowing all along mm. that they were free. Mm-hmm. And they weren't fugitives. She said they were never fugitives because they were never owned. Right. She talks about freedom dream, mm-hmm. dreaming of being free for whatever that looks like for us. And that is how we make these things happen and how, like, isn't that just the definition of manifesting? Mm-hmm. Not, isn't that just the definition, but like, that it? Like, w- those are so parallel yeah. and that there's power in that. And we know that there's power in that. And it's kind of a hippy-dippy, wishy-washy thing for a lot of people, especially if you're like, consider yourself a scientist, but there's still evidence that supports at least a correlation mm-hmm. between saying something or believing something or repeating something and it coming true. We have some control over the energy fields around us. Yeah. We may not know how mm-hmm. or why or to what degree, but it, we know that we do. Yeah. I'm all about it. I told you the quote that gave me chills was when she said her ancestors came Mm. up north in a spaceship of possibility that they built themselves. There was no way. They made the way. Mm -hmm. Yes. And her talking about someone not being rushed to Mm -hmm. make the decision, even though it's absolutely instinctual and not just tempting, but like our body, the literal dogs, the dogs were literally chasing them at mm-hmm. their heels. We don't have time for you to stop and think about which way to go. And yet she did. Yeah. And she trusted her gut. She took a second mm-hmm. and she just knew. She used her knowing. And that did lead her to freedom. Yeah. And, and her being, I don't remember who she said too. it was. It was Harriet Was Tubman. it Harriet Tubman? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of what I was assuming. Yeah. But. Yeah. And she never lost one person. God, amazing. Mm-hmm. And that is speaks to me in the way that, you know, I'm working on constantly self-trust mm-hmm. and being able to trust myself. And, and the ideas of scarcity, mm, the ideas of yes, urgency. Yes, yes. These are directly, this is propaganda of capitalism. Those mm-hmm. things are constructs. Of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. even. There is no scarcity. No. There and is no real urgency. God damn it, Emily. I was just talking about how the specific friendship that is cultivating and how when I am away and I leave that connective moment, it not feeling as desperate. Mm-hmm. For when can I count on that reconnection happening? Yeah. And it's because in its prior vessel, Mm -hmm. that relationship operated on scarcity. Or at least it felt that way to you. I think it, yes, I think it felt that way to me because I I believed it. Mm -hmm. And that is how both members were potentially socialized mm-hmm. to look at relationships. Mm-hmm. And when you're not operating from a place of scarcity, because scarcity is a fucking illusion, mm-hmm. it's a lie told to motivate ourselves, which is not a real motivator. Right. That's that's the lazy motivator. Mm-hmm. That's dangling a carrot versus actually inspiring change. Yeah. Then how much richer and more fulfilling and healthier a dynamic can be when there is no place of scarcity. Mm -hmm. It's all generosity. It's all trust that this this will all work out Mm -hmm. and what's meant to happen will happen. And I can enjoy this moment and I can be mindful and present in this moment. And when that moment is over, I don't have to do as much grieving for it. Yeah. That's powerful. And that goes back to what you were saying about dopamine and the anticipation Mm -hmm. of the thing having more reward than the actual completion of the thing. Man, we are just really unlocking some truths here. So, <laughs> Trisha Hersey. Yes. She is a prophet. She is. Honestly, I I feel very comfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. She is a prophet. 
And she says, I don't own this work. I don't want to be the keeper of this work. Mm. Take this work and expand on it. Take this work and Mm. apply it. Mm -hmm. Generosity. There's no ego there. She may not own this work, but she fucking earned the title Mm -hmm. of Bishop of Maps. But also the emotional maturity that it takes to see something that you have, the hard work that you Mm -hmm. have done and be willing to share that and not want to make it scarce. Yeah. Yep. That is, that is, I think, a very clear green flag Mm -hmm. sign of a, a genuinely good person. We can acknowledge that there is one place where urgency is real, and that yeah. is regarding our planet and our climate. Yes. And she talks about mm-hmm. how it's capitalism that is not just destroying us, but mm-hmm. that is destroying our planet. And rest as resistance is one of the solutions. When we rested during COVID, mm-hmm. there, were, there were all kinds of ripples that that caused yeah. in our climate in our environments, and in the planet. So if your own personal health and well-being is not enough of a reason to Mm -hmm. rest, think about the big picture. Yeah. Think about everything that is touched by capitalism can be countered by rest. Yeah. I've had this argument before about like capitalism versus socialism and um, two things can be true. There can be both good things and bad things in each construct. One of the good things about capitalism is that it, it kind of breeds um, ingenuity Mm -hmm. or creativity. Yeah. But how she also talks about when So it's not capitalism. She doesn't talk about this, but when it's not capitalism, that's really the problem. It's greed. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. And how greed and capitalism go hand in hand. And and why is it that you can't have capitalism without it resulting in greed Mm -hmm. and in just misuse of your resources and just completely decimating your your resources. Yeah. And if I, the root of this thing is white supremacy yeah. and the idea that people are machines, bodies are labor, yeah. then that's never going to lead you down a path that does not ultimately destroy us in yes, some way. Yes, lead to destruction. Mm-hmm. And how can we take the good parts of what we know about capitalism mm-hmm. And incorporate that into a new model. Yeah. Again, it comes back to the old curriculum is flawed. Mm -hmm. And so we're not using that curriculum anymore. When we know better, we do better. Yeah. How do we take what we've learned about socialism, good and bad, Mm -hmm. and incorporate that into a new way of thinking, a new philosophy? I mean, there is such thing as socialist capitalism. It's not unlike when we were talking about how do you distinguish a cult? Ah. It's intent. Yes. It comes back to intent, ultimately. Yes. Creativity can exist without capitalism Mm. and be positive. Mm -hmm. But creativity can also result in capitalism. Mm -hmm. I've got a little hot take here. It's not a super popular opinion. But people like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, I don't know about Elon so much as more so Jeff Bezos. I think he, he, there, I entertain the possibility that there is a reality in which he invents things because he enjoys it. Mm -hmm. He figures things out. He creates systems. He creates He's not doing it for the money anymore. That's for sure. And he still chooses to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and. Maybe he is surrounded by people who take advantage of that Mm -hmm. and commodify him. But there's still people create and do things for the love of Mm -hmm. creating and not – it doesn't get twisted into something destructive 
until there are people around who are buying into this idea of scarcity and are trying to control the flow of the resource. Mm -hmm. And that's the, it goes back. That's the intent. That is when a surgeon turns into a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Mm -hmm. we also know about Jeff Bezos that he is actively trying to squash the movement of Mm -hmm. union organizing. Right. 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 Which two things can be true. Yeah. And I, I often just wonder how much of that is him personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Him the person. Mm -hmm. And how much of that is the environment that he has surrounded himself in. Yeah. You never know. I mean, there are these figureheads of industry, Mm -hmm. but you never actually know if it's them or if it's their team. Right. And that doesn't, that doesn't absolve them of responsibility. Right. I also sometimes think about, people who are really great creatives and really innovative and have these completely different ways of looking at things and, and from a neurotypical versus neurodiverse lens, a lot of the, and the inventors are more neurodiverse and how that makes people then a target for exploitation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I know for a fact that that is Jeffrey Bezos and his problem. But I do, I do just, it's just something to think about. Mm-hmm. It's a point to consider, especially if we're trying to be generous, but while also still holding people accountable, that if you're doing the best that you can with the tools that are available to you, then, then this is your best, then maybe you're not suited for this situation mm-hmm. and not taking away responsibility from people because it, like Trisha said, you're going to have to make some choices. Yeah. You're going to have to make some decisions. Is this how this gets so far away? Like, is that how that happens? Mm-hmm. Because because someone is very smart and very intelligent and very creative and just chooses the wrong people to surround themselves with. Yeah. And the bravery that it takes to sometimes, not sometimes, the bravery that it takes, period, to sit there and look at yourself and look at your environment and go, is is it me? Mm-hmm. Am I the drama? <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. Well, and we haven't really been taught or it hasn't mm. really been modeled for us how you measure success by anything other than dollars. Yes. So if you are leading an endeavor that is making obscene amounts of money mm-hmm. and you don't know any other way of measuring success, you have to create that. Because again, that's capitalism mm-hmm. and white supremacy mm-hmm. and commodifying our hobbies. Yeah. And that is the metric that we measure ourselves against is how much money we have. And I think that I think we have gotten to a place where the conversations are at starting least to half, I mean, like good half of mm-hmm. the population go, no, we know that that's not true. But that's that's how that because that is how we are socialize. Mm -hmm. And actually in Eat, Pray, Love, um, she talks about this Italian author Mm -hmm. that was trying to figure out like, what's Italy's problem, right? Like, why are they not a leader in industry? Why are they not, they have all this passion around this thing, but that they can't uh, accomplish this other thing. And it being because the metric that we're using to, to measure success, maybe that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And her talking about, I think it is in Sicily, that the people are just doing what they can to get their joy out of their day. Yeah. And they prioritize pleasure. Right. Over productivity. Right. And how maybe that's enough. Mm -hmm. Maybe, yes, you have, they are, they're so poverty stricken and there's you know, lots of systemic issues, but that doesn't keep people from making the best pasta mm-hmm. or gutting that fish with such <laughs> in like just precision. Gusto. Right. Like being the best at whatever it is they're doing, even if it doesn't look like success. Yeah. So I am holding the little book of Huga, which is the Danish Secrets to Happy Living. 
And I told you, I am going to make this my entire personality. <laughs> I So it's described as being conscientiously cozy, socializing for introverts, mm-hmm. a hug without touching. I mean... I would prefer a hug with touching, but I I, I get that <laughs> because sometimes that's a metaphor, mm-hmm. but also the reality of the world is that we have to get comfort in isolation. Yeah. And we can't be codependent on the presence of another person. And it is such a deep part of their culture. Mm. It's not a fad. It's catching on here. Mm-hmm in a way that looks like a fad. Mm, Cuz that's what we do with capitalism mm-hmm. is we commodify everything. Yeah. But it is ingrained mm. in Denmark as part of the lived experience of these people, soft lighting, mm-hmm. gentleness, coziness, warm blankets, good food, mm. all of these things, togetherness. Mm-hmm. Not being on your phone when you're at the table with your family. Mm. All of these things that are not costly. Mm -mm. Not really. I have talked in therapy about why I feel so guilty about seeking comfort Mm -hmm. and how difficult it can be for me to validate my need for comfort. And there you have a whole culture that is built on that. And it doesn't need validation. I might make that my identity also. Yeah. It Can- doesn't need validation. Trisha Hersey says, if you want to live that capitalist life, she says, blessings on your day, but I'm not doing it. Right. right. <laughs> and you know, I love the generosity and there's might be a tiny bit of judgment in that, but really there's not. Yeah. Like you want to, this is your life. Yeah. You live it the way that you want to live it. If you think that, that embodying that particular ideal or those particular dogmas, ah, there's that word mm-hmm. that I'm going to try to work into every um, episode now. Yeah. Cross that off of your bingo cards. Yay. I'm seriously going to make these. <laughs> if that is how you want to live your life, that is your life to mm-hmm. live, but I don't have to participate in it. Yeah. And her talking about knowing that she's not owned by any particular Mm -hmm. movement. She's not owned by anything. Yeah. And I don't need you to validate that for me Mm -hmm. because I already know it. That is tapped into her inner knowing. Yes. To her embodying. You don't owe an explanation. No. I love it. Welcome to Huga. (laughs) Gosh, there's such overlap. We welcome you with candles and cozy socks. And soup. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless you hate soup, in which case, how may I offer you a toasty, crusty bread? Yes. They, I don't know the statistics, but they are like number one in the world for candy consumption. Oh my God. That Pastries. makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. as far as dopamine, because yep. we know that sugar and dopamine are correlated. And they tend to, on surveys of happiness, national surveys or, or international surveys of happiness, they're in the top three consistently. Mm. And the United States has never cracked the top 10. <laughs> That's a shocker. Never. God, in that she talks about that in Eat, Pray, Love too in the Italians. I'm, I've only made it through the first of the three sections of the book. Mm-hmm. But how the Italians talking about like Americans and all we do is work yeah. and – What's um, your word? Right. Do you remember that was yes, throughout? Yeah, yes. What's, what's your word? Yeah. My word personally is balance. Mm-hmm. The word for Rome to Liz was sex. Yeah. Yeah. I remember New York was soot. Soot. But there was another one. Um, It was, it was success. Like hustle or something. Yeah. Which wasn't the same thing. Oh, no. It was like achievement, which mm-hmm. wasn't the same thing as success, which yeah. was part of California or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that leads me back to when we were talking about if we believe that success is this specific definition, then in a specific destination, that being part of why we're so unhappy or unfulfilled Mm -hmm. and Henry David Thoreau talking about that concept and that it's about the journey, not the destination. My word is charming, which I feel like fits very nicely into my new identity of Huga. Yeah. I definitely vibe with that. Mm-hmm. 
it's so it's about just redefining the definition redefining the definition yeah that of and success. letting go of shame yes letting go of the shame around resting we're mm. not apologizing for resting anymore mm-hmm. if you can let go of the shame then that's also a sign of emotional maturity mm-hmm. because you don't care what other people think about you and you know that it's not about you mm-hmm. and you don't need that validation or the affirmation from anyone else. Yeah. Which is different from connection because mm-hmm. both of those things are, can be essential. Isn't this interesting? The quote that I was thinking um, about by Henry David Thoreau is if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, mm-hmm. he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. That was one of the quotes mm-hmm. that I was thinking about. And there, right in there is nap ministry. This leads me into a whole train of thought about our use of the word dreams. Mm. We use that to describe our ambitions. Mm-hmm. But how did that come about? How did we start using the word dreams? Mm. The thing that happens, literally, the thing that happens while you're sleeping, when your unconscious mind takes mm-hmm. you into these places, how did that become a synonym that we use for ambition? Mm-hmm. And why is why do we associate wishy-washiness with the concept of being a dreamer? Mm-hmm. Or being so dreamy. Yeah. A daydream. Yeah, etymology is interesting. And that is that when you're talking about the dreams and the thing that literally happens every night, she talks about the book by Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep. And I am obsessed with that book. I had still have not finished that book mm-hmm. because it is so heady, so thick with science. And the person that reads the audiobook version of it has an accent and a voice that is so calming and I tend to listen while I'm driving and I cannot listen to that book while I'm driving because <laughs> it makes me want to sleep. And he makes, the author makes references to that. Mm-hmm. And it's not because it's not interesting. But so I, I have to stop and listen to it in segments and then because I borrow it from the library, then my, it expires and it, this is a very high um, demand book. Mm-hmm. But she talks about that. That's encouraging that it's in high yeah, demand. Yeah, right? That is. And I just am fucking fascinated by the science. And that's honestly what that book is, something that has really turned my interest in into neurobiology, neuropsychology, and the brain. And also that that could be a continued area of learning for me. Mm-hmm. That- I tried to research that a little bit, especially when she talks about when you sleep, your brain releases a chemical that, that heals healing. you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, I think it's called adrenosin. Adenosine? Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't know if that's what she's referring I to. I don't think that's adenosine. I think that is. Because um, I want to know what the chemical is that she's talking about. Adenosine When you get to does... that point in the book, please report back because I'd like to know. So I have been on the, um, in that chapter of adenosine and it, it is can treat irregular heartbeats and they've actually figured out a way to um, synthesize that. So maybe it is the one that helps in healing, but I thought that it was one that slows down um, your heart beat Mm -hmm. and it being related to um, caffeine Mm -hmm. and caffeine doesn't increase adenosine. It just blocks receptors Mm -hmm. So that it is not, it's like a reuptake inhibitor. Yeah. So that all, and all that caffeine does is dilate your vessels so that, and so maybe it's that the adenosine flows more or less. I don't remember, but like, yes. So I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to buy it. All right, look, I'm just going to buy the book. (laughs) I'll listen to the audiobook version and we are going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. And I'm so glad that she referenced that book because it's put it back on my radar. Mm -hmm. And that's always one that I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I do need to go back and take another chunk out of that Mm -hmm. and think about it because it's there. The science is there. It's all there for the learning, for the taking. It is. And something else about 
that is where when she talks about um, sleep and resting supports our grief. Mm-hmm. What we know about the threat response system from polyvagal theory and how when our threat response system is triggered, the because we only we have a finite amount of electrical energy within our bodies that gets filtered out of some of the more higher level thinking operating parts of the brain and goes into our downstairs brain or the amygdala. Mm -hmm. When we are resting, then we can restore our electricity back up to the more logical or more complex parts of the brain that are able to understand these concepts of Mm -hmm. grief and thinking. But you can't think when you're triggered. And that's why anyone who has ever been in an argument with someone, they come up and they think about the thing that they wish that they would have said afterwards. That's why you didn't think of it in the moment. It has and nothing you to do with your intelligence. Tired. Right. And she talked about that too, mm-hmm. that being tired is a tool for our manipulation. Keep people tired. Mm-hmm. Keep them so exhausted that they don't have the time or the energy to be conscious of what you're doing to it's them. It's a shell game. And how you're draining them. That's like a lot of times when these, when big controversies occur in the media, what is that distracting us from? Mm-hmm. What is that hiding so that, that we aren't paying attention to? How are we being manipulated? That's always something I try to think about now, especially when it's something that you're like, why the hell is this a big deal? Do you know what that made me think of was what we're watching happen to the public education system? Mm. I didn't understand for a long time why, particularly in Indiana, we are acting against our own interests when it comes to public education. Say more about that. And then someone said to me, you know it's intentional, right? Mm. You know that they want to keep people uneducated so that they can be controlled. Yes, because, okay, so this, and this reminds me, I don't remember who I was talking to. If it was you, please text me or email me and I'll give you credit. They talked about books equating to power and knowledge Mm -hmm. and which organization has the most books in the world. It's the Vatican. Mm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That speaks volumes, pun intended. <laughs> She's got jokes. They're really, really good ones. I, that is such a, because again, it comes back to when people are awake, mm-hmm. then they can begin to challenge these systems that they're in. The matrix, the simulation. I just told you about how I started this documentary about psychedelics. I'm into it. And how... When the government saw that people were getting a little – Becoming and, too mm-hmm. close to being free thinkers, mm-hmm. then they reversed course mm-hmm. and, oh, no, we better outlaw this. And also they how they were they were trying to militarize it. Mm-hmm. They were trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to use these drugs to, to weaponize. And yeah. I was listening to something else where they were talking about weaponizing um, marijuana – and how they were, they were experimenting on um, Nazi prisoners. And if they got the Nazi prisoners high, they spilled more secrets. There, and that was, a, that was a scene in in a movie. Did we talk about that? No, but that came up in this documentary. So what I was watching was How to Change Your Mind mm-hmm. on Netflix. And it came up. I don't remember if it was LSD or mushrooms, but they wanted to know if they could use it in interrogation. Mm. I think it was LSD. They wondered if it could be like a truth serum. Yes. Mm -hmm. They did that with marijuana too. Mm -hmm. I think I was listening maybe to a podcast that talked about that, but I don't, I, that I think, (laughs) I think it was actually maybe a tangent in gruesome, the true crime podcast that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that might've been a thing they were talking about. There's a scene in pineapple express Mm -hmm. and that was based on a real, study a real thing that happened huh yeah which scene in pineapple express i think it's at the beginning i don't know i'm gonna have to watch it again yeah but i don't know that they show 
the scene of that happening, but they they're like high and talking about it. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's in it's the scene where they he makes the the massive crucifix looking. Oh god, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be during that that they talk about it. But that was a real thing mm-hmm. that that the military military tried to figure out how to weaponize marijuana and just the same as they did with LSD. And then they realized it was, you know, opening this portal, mm-hmm. opening our brains to be able to operate at a higher capacity to where we were waking up and, or people were waking mm-hmm. up and, and mentally and spiritually waking up. Yeah. When they saw that sixties counterculture Ooh. emerging mm-hmm. and it was in conflict with the Vietnam war, mm. boy, did they, Spin their wheels trying to get out of that situation fast. Yep. And look at how effectively they did it. Mm-hmm. For n- the next three or four decades. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that, I wonder how that generational trauma affects us also. Mm-hmm. And she talked um, about some of that, how her ancestors were able to be, she called it, have trickster energy. Yeah. And being able to exist in two worlds mm-hmm. and be the obedient slave while still, one, knowing I don't belong to you mm-hmm. and two, plotting their liberation. Yeah. And knowing what we do about generational trauma, how that inauthentic- inauthenticity- That forced duality. Yes. And how much that must have wrecked them. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it was important and essential for their survival, but also how exhausting and how much it rewrites the DNA of people. And it still exists today, Mm -hmm. code switching. Right. Having to perform around certain groups, Mm -hmm. certain populations. And that is such a good example of two things being able to be true because it, it was a powerful tool for them. That ultimately led to so much liberation and freedom, but also never should have been necessary. Never should have been necessary, and then gets written into the DNA mm-hmm. of all of the generations to come. And that's where. And she talks about nap ministry and dreaming and sleeping and resting being a tool for healing. And she talks about the hidden wound. Mm. I don't remember. Let me check my notes because that wasn't her word. That's Wendell Berry. Right. But how these systems of oppression are not merely, quote unquote, done to black and brown people. Right. That white people also have this wound. Yes. From perceiving human beings as machines. Mm-hmm. That is a disconnection from our own humanity. Yeah. That and is written somewhere in our ancestral DNA. Yeah. What kind of how again, this speaks to her character, how much generosity it takes to go there's a specific demographic of people over here who are walking around wounded with stab wounds and gunshots and gushing blood. And I can acknowledge that and also acknowledge that over here, there are people that are walking around wounded with broken legs Mm -hmm. and broken fingers and broken body parts. And that also requires healing. And we we heal together. And it reminds us all that we all have stake in this. Yes. And this is something that I'm really working on with Jack right now. A win for you is a win for me. Mm -hmm. Pushing back against scarcity. Yes. Yes. It's not either you win or I win. It's we win together. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate And I had that written down to look up um, that poet. But I have written, white supremacy wounds us too. It, mm-hmm. it disconnects us from our humanity. And it does us a disservice as well. Yeah. And, and we've talked about generational trauma as far as like from the patriarchy and for, for women and how it is creating – it has created us to shrink or – you know, issues around our, the spine and the hips and our core and white supremacy hurts white people. And Glennon points out that this idea of rest is completely in opposition to white feminism. And when we're thinking about this concept of waking up, mm-hmm. 
she makes this statement in the beginning that basically is, I'm, I think I'm combining her words into like a succinct sentence that waking up is easier when you're well rested. Mm-hmm. How that just went straight through me because it's true. It very much vibes with what I'm learning about reimagining my life and mm-hmm. and eat, pray, love about what we women have been socialized to want and men have been socialized to want and we're supposed to want this idea of 2.5 kids, the white the white picket fence, mm-hmm. the house in the suburbs, blah blah blah, married to the same person for and how bullshit that is for some people. Yeah. That it's good for some people. It's not bad. It's not the only but way. But it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And waking up to this conformity, this idea of conformity, and how much easier that is when you're well-rested. And I just wanted to make sure that I credited that. And she says it's easier when you're well-rested, but she never says it's easy. Yeah, I love that. Yep. It isn't easy. Right. Because we have been fed this propaganda our entire mm-hmm. lives. This yep. idea in particular of white feminism, Mm -hmm. Abby talks about how hard it is for her to hear that she needs to release the grind and the hustle. Did you look at my notes? (laughs) Did you look at the one that I put a big old star on and was like, this is the one that I really want to touch on? No. It says Abby's fear around Mm -hmm. challenging her identity. Yeah. In that as an athlete, her identity is grind culture Mm -hmm. and work hard, play hard. And that all then that how that ties into and as women we've been told that feminism looks like do it as well as the boys do or better better, right and how strive to do it better than the boys do it which is so fucked up because I think I'm gonna I'm still centers the boys yes and also we become the thing that we don't like Mm -hmm. it's my friend has this phrase the snake eating its own tail yes. That you, it, it, if it's not okay for men to be superior to women, mm-hmm. then it's not okay for women to be superior to men, especially how that completely eliminates non-binary mm-hmm. folks from the entire conversation. And most of us are just now realizing that we have been working within this system that we never asked for. Mm-hmm. I never asked to be better than anybody. Mm-hmm. So why have I spent my entire life making that my goal? Right. Whose agenda is this yeah, really? Yeah. Because it isn't mine. Right. And I I want to do a little bit more research on this the phrase womanist before I start claiming it as part of my identity. But I I do claim myself to be a feminist in that I believe in the empowerment and liberation and challenging the patriarchy and how it can help heal women. But sometimes that does kind of put people off because there is that side, particularly white Mm -hmm. feminism, there is that side that has been corrupted and it doesn't quite sit with me. We need to change the language when we say that it's about making a better life for women because it really is about making a better life for everyone. Everyone. It comes back to that hidden wound. When these things exist in our culture, we all suffer yes. from this. Everyone suffers from the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. It's the, it, that phrase of girls rule and boys drool and that not being the thing that I want mm-hmm. to be identified with. It's I, I, I'm, I'm not out here trying to... Like, I'm not out here trying to invalidate anyone mm-hmm. or bring anyone down a, a notch. Yeah. I I want all of us to have equity mm-hmm. versus equality. And that, I think, is really hard sometimes for people to grasp that concept because it feels like dumbing down. Yeah. And it's not. It's about challenging the system and seeing the flaws and the bugs in the code and rewriting it so that that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And if you have listened to this and are still not convinced to do this for yourself and you're still not convinced to do this for our planet, 
do it for the generation after us mm. who are watching us and will deserve rest. That is something that I am I tell people a lot. I've had this conversation with quite a few friends. Um one of them, the most re- I think one of the most recent times was with my friend Craig mm-hmm. and he was talking about how he had been beating himself up a lot lately and like I made this mistake and I fucked this up with, with this thing and this thing and that thing. And he stays up at night. Like he, he had, was staying up at night stressing about all the things that he'd done wrong. And I was like, he has a daughter who's my age. Mm-hmm. And I said, how would you want your daughter to, what would you say to Kate if mm-hmm. she were talking to herself the way that you were talking to her, to yourself? He was like, well, yeah, obviously I would tell her not to do that. You know, I wouldn't want that for her. And I said, then model that mm-hmm. for her. I mean, she's a grown ass woman, so she also has free will and can make her own decisions on whether or not she does that. But if you can't give yourself permission to be kind to yourself, give yourself permission to model the way that you want your child to be. And no matter how old we get, we never stop being influenced by the messages coming from the people close to us. Especially if you're an old man like Craig and you're Turning over a new leaf. How fucking inspiring mm-hmm. that is to to the your daughter that <laughs> yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. And not joking aside though, that that is that would be what I would want to model for my kid is that I am never too old to learn. And this goes back to a conversation that we had a while back about how this generation is benefiting from our enlightenment and then eventually that will make us the bad mm-hmm. guy and how that's the potential for the snake eating its own tail. But I think the way that you avoid that is by making it clear that I am malleable. Plasticity. Yes, yes, yes. And that I will. That almost gets me on a tangent, but I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> All right. Do you have any other final thoughts? I have so many thoughts, but in the interest of promoting rest, we're not going to go on and on about this. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it. We're going to say thank you for staying with us. Yes. And we've reached our conclusion. Now go rest. Go rest. All right. Thanks, everybody.